This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Yes! Welcome everybody to episode 22 of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much. For tuning in, we will not disappoint. My name is Elon Dubrovsky, and with me as always is my co-host in Japan, Brian Calm. Hi, everybody. I know I have a catchphrase, but it sounded so robotic last time. I think I, I cannot naturally deliver a catchphrase. Okay, well, how about work on it privately while I'm talking during this week's episode, and then maybe you could bust it out at the end. Well, can I just put it casually in a sentence? Maybe that'll work. Okay, we'll see how it goes. I think on the following podcast that we might prognosticate rather than speculate. Well, we'll do our best. Is that better? I think that was okay. It's still awkward. Let's go right to the headlines, okay? Let's just get out of this awkward conversation and into the headlines. Number one, injuries are hitting people hard. Oh no, right as the playoffs come, this must be a Pooley's worst nightmare. What's worse? You've been working hard all year. You finally clinched the playoffs. You're about to start your matchup. And then you read in the news, James Neal, out with a concussion, might be gone for the year. Oh, no, Brian, what should people do? Well, I guess they're going to have to go back to doing what they did for the other, you know, 20 or so games that he missed and and find a way to work without his production. I think when he was out earlier in the season, that really roughed up his fantasy owners. And then when he came back, he didn't really set the world on fire either although in 44 games this year 22 goals 27 assists 49 points that's a big hole to fill and you're not going to be able to fill it plain and simple you might have to get creative if your trade deadline hasn't passed it might be worth exploring a few options but if it has i don't know i think you're kind of just out of luck well speaking of options maybe a good place to start to look for options is his team the pittsburgh penguins because they need to replace him and people playing with Sidney crosby and evgeny malkin tend to do pretty well so let's take a look at who are now on the top two lines in pittsburgh well according to dailyfaceoff.com on malkin's line which is the second line malkin is the center left wing stays as uc yokin and the new right wing is brian gibbons yeah good luck to him you don't have high hopes for gibbons He's also on the second power play unit. Of course, second power play unit, that's the one that doesn't have Crosby and Malkin. Well, it's been a real mix of line combinations for the Penguins in their game against Philadelphia, where they were shut out. They threw pretty much every combination of forwards they could over the boards, and obviously none of it worked. They lost 4 nothing. so I guess more shakeups are in the future. So I don't know if Brian Gibbons has a great shot of sticking anywhere. 
Keep in mind, he has four goals, six assists for 10 points in 25 games so far this year, averaging less than a shot on goal a game. Not a super fantasy relevant guy, not somebody I would even really think about having anywhere near the top of the list to replace James Neal. I assume there are still better options out there. Well, maybe there's a better option on Pittsburgh, someone who they acquired at the trade deadline. Oh, good segue, Elon. Yeah, I'd like to talk about Lee Stempniak. Let's do it. He's been playing with Crosby and Kunitz. Now Kunitz is injured, so another frustrating thing for the Penguins. Man, side note, how many injuries did the Pittsburgh Penguins have? Like, their fans must be going crazy. Like, I guess they're still a really good team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they still are able to win playoff series, and hopefully they'll get some of their people back. But losing two of their top defensemen, now Neil... Kunitz, I think Kunitz is just day-to-day, though. Yeah, they're right up there in man games lost over the course of the season, yet they survive. It's not so hard when you have two of the best players in the league, I guess. But Semniak, I think the difference with him being on the line with Crosby and assuming a healthy Kunitz is that over the last several years, the Penguins are just plugging anyone they can next to them. And I feel like Semniak is a little bit different because especially over the course of the season, Dan Bilesma seems to be putting young guys like unproven or, you know, maybe three or four years in the league who had a high pedigree but never really blossomed into the scores they were expected to be on their wing. And it never really worked out. And Semniak is... Like I said, he's different. He has a scoring pedigree. He has good underlying numbers. And so far, he's shown up on the score sheet twice in the five games he's played since being traded from Calgary to Pittsburgh. He has three assists and five shots on goal to show for it. That's not a whole lot, but I imagine he's available in a whole lot of leagues right now. And especially if you have James Neal on your team, I think he probably makes a good replacement pick up for the stretch drive seems like a good ad if you have room on your roster hopefully he'll be able to stick on that top line like you said they were jumbling things around a lot of their last game but i should point out that according to left wing lock for 8.29 percent of the game stepniak was playing with malkin and crosby on the same line so obviously if that sticks he becomes way more valuable yeah i don't know if we can read too much into the lines from last game though i think it was a pretty frustrating effort by the Penguins and they were just trying to do anything to get the team going. Keep an eye on things over the next three games and a tool you can use to do that uh, are the line combinations over at leftwinglock.com. Right. And Daily Faceoff. Both good sources. But yeah, James Neal isn't the only guy who is out for potentially the rest of the season. The Vancouver Canucks have been hit hard. Looks like Kessler and Daniel Sedin are going to be gone for a significant amount of time. Is there any reason to hold on to the remaining Vancouver Canucks. Should we even talk about people who will be replacing them on the top lines and the top power play as good potential replacements? Everyone's down on the Canucks right now, so it's hard to say yes, and so I'm not going to. I'm going to say no. I, I Leave the Canucks for dead this year. I know that's maybe a really heartbreaking thing to say, but Eddie Lack has shown so far that you know he's not a reliable fantasy alternative for Roberto Luongo or really any number one goalie in the league so far. Jacob Markstrom had a short turn in net and didn't fare so well either. I wouldn't count on really anyone except, I don't know if it's weird to say Sean Mathias, he might at least get you shots on goal. Wait, so you're saying Sean Mathias but not Henrik Sedin? No, I'm not saying. Sorry, I was going like beyond the obvious like Sedin twins thing. Alex Burrows, right, he got two goals after not scoring for the entire season. I still wouldn't pick him up, though. So for anyone who is thinking that the Canucks might be able to pick up their offense, I will point out that playing with Henrik Sedin and Alex Burrows is Nicholas Jensen. So he might be a deep, deep sleeper pickup 
if you think that line is going to heat up. Jensen's also playing on the top power play line. I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> it's okay, nobody does. Just pretend it's Yannick Hansen and move on. Let's talk about a couple other injuries that hit you hard, Brian. Two of your reliable producers are down probably for the rest of the season, P.A. Parento and Mark Shifley. I'm going to say that they are more semi, or were more semi-reliable producers. Shifley had sort of tailed off after, you know, having been like my favorite player for a solid month in fantasy. And Parento was just starting to get his game back, though, when he got injured. And yeah, I'm in big trouble in my league, actually, because I made a cardinal mistake. I did not know how many moves I was limited to. I assumed 60. Unfortunately, the limit is 50. And I was at 44 when Parento got injured because I'd made a lot of frivolous ad drops of like Johan Gustafsson, like the fourth string Minnesota Wild goalie when I was incredibly nervous earlier in the year. So I had to make a really tough decision on on who to bring up for Parento, and I decided on Travis Zajac. All right, well, hey, so let's just zip away from the headlines. We'll get back to them. Tell us about this move that you made. Why did you pick up Zajac? Well, I picked up Zajac because I had to pick up the guy who I thought would do the best for the whole rest of the year. I'm not looking for a streaking guy. I need somebody who can produce consistently, doesn't need to be amazing, but just needs to give me points here and there for the rest of the season. I'm not going to regret picking him up and him giving me zero points because the idea is that I don't have the roster moves left to change him if I want to have a chance in, you know, making some smart moves during my final playoffs weeks, assuming I get there. So I picked up Travis Zajac. He's been getting it going a little bit, playing with Tuomo Rutu, the newly acquired Tuomo Rutu, and Yarmer Jager with the Devils. He's got three goals and four assists in his last eight games played. It's not coming out of nowhere. He's generally been a fairly reliable player. The departure of Ilya Kovalchuk hurt him, and he wasn't doing so hot even with Kovalchuk in his final season. But I have faith that he will be around, especially it was heartening to see him pick it up. We know he has the skill to produce. He has had a 67-point season, a couple 60-point seasons in a row. They were a while ago now. I'm counting on at least half a point per game from him, and I will be happy with that. All right, seems like a solid pickup. Someone that I'm eyeing as he's a free agent in my pool as well. Who did you decide to take him over? Was there anyone else you were considering? Yeah, it was a bit of a tough choice because he doesn't get a whole lot of shots on goal. So if he's not producing, he's not doing much for my team. But the players I did decide to take him instead of were Milan Mikhailik, who, you know, is riding Spetz's and Hemsky's coattails over the last few games and is maybe showing signs of being productive again. But I didn't have enough faith that he could do it himself, you know, if he did get separated from those players. Tuomo Rutu, who is playing with Zajac, so likely their points will be connected. And Rutu actually gets plenty more shots on goal than Zajac and is a real reliable option. I just felt more comfortable in my gut with Zajac. And the other player I passed on was Elias Lindholm, or Elias Lindholm, who we mentioned last week was seeing first-line playing time and even power play time alongside Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner. And again, I didn't want to count on somebody who might be moved down to the third or fourth line. Okay, let's sit back now into headlines. Headline number two, is it backup goalie time again? So there was that stretch earlier in the season when backup goalies were all the rage. Everyone was talking about Martin Jones, Antti Ranta, that guy from Columbus. What's his name? You picked him up for a little while. McElhenney. 
Curtis McElhenney, although I wouldn't necessarily put him in the same group as the other guys. Sure, but just, it was the time where all the starting goalies were down, and everyone was using backups to help them get forward in their pools. Now might be that time again, maybe to a lesser extent. One of the biggest injuries that happened last week was Kari Lettinen going down in Dallas. Tim Thomas has stepped up now as someone who people thought his value went down a lot being traded from Florida where he was the starter to become the backup on Dallas. All of a sudden, he's a prime free agent pickup, I would think. Definitely a good pickup. I mean, his skill is still sort of there. It's been really hard to gauge playing behind a really terrible Florida team, although maybe an indicator is that Luongo has been pretty solid since going to Florida, and it hasn't seemed to bother him, the defense in front of him, as much as it seemed to bother Tim Thomas. I would still be comfortable with Tim Thomas being my number two or number three option, or if Lettinen was my only option, having Thomas stand in until Lettinen comes back. There really could be a lot of worse scenarios for you and your goaltending than a former Vesna winner, albeit an aging one taking over some of your goaltending duties. But Elon, do you actually know how much longer Lettinen's going to be out for? Well, it's a concussion, so it's one of these things that's hard to predict. He's been moved actually back to day-to-day on ESPN. According to the last Rotowire update, it says, Lettinen took the ice with the team on Saturday morning. He's doubtful for Sunday, but it's looking more and more like he'll be back in the next few games. So he might actually be on the mend, but in the meantime, I guess that you'll still get a couple of starts out of Thomas before Lettinen returns as the starter. Another goalie who may be out for more than just next week is Jonathan Bernier from the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's going to be undergoing an MRI exam soon. The Leafs are hoping that the injury is not serious, but no one really knows yet. In the meantime, Brian, should people be grabbing James Reimer? I don't know exactly what the deal is with Bernier because first, you know, it was everyone thought he got hit in the head with a puck. Then his coach said it was just his shoulder and downplayed the whole thing. And so, yeah, we'll wait to see what happens with this MRI business. But James Reimer owners can finally have their moment in the sun. I feel like a lot of people have stuck it out with him this year, and they should. I think he's gotten a bit of a bad rap in Toronto because Bernier has sort of clearly been anointed as the chosen one, especially by Randy Carlyle, and I guess by extension, Maple Leafs management. And every time Reimer goes in, he doesn't get a lot of slack. He gets pulled what seems to be a lot more quicker than Bernier does. He's on a shorter leash in general. I think this is really good for James Reimer. It gives him a chance to finally put together a string of games, and I think his owners will hopefully see the benefits of it. I don't see a significant difference between the two goalies, despite Bernier playing so many more games than Reimer has this year. And rumor has it that these might be the last games that James Reimer plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is something for a keeper league owners to keep in mind okay well so everyone keep note Reimer if he's available might be a good fill-in and yeah there's a couple other goalies who had gone down recently Carey Price was out for a while so that was time for Peter Budai to shine shine is a loosely applied word I think well it was his time to shine but he didn't take it okay yes (laughs) also quick is potentially going to be out for a little bit so Martin Jones might once again have a resurgence and one more thing to add about goaltenders Elon and I know you're concerned about this with Varlamov I also own him but not so much but as the year winds down I feel like teams are going to start playing their starters less you know say they were playing seven or eight out of every 10 games that might come down to five or six out of every 10 games just to ensure they're healthy and rested for the playoffs which is the worst time of year for it to happen to fantasy owners but it is important right now 
to have handcuff options for your team or at least have a few backup goalies on your watch list who you think can fill the void when your starters are being rested. Yeah, definitely. The news out of Colorado, which affects both of us as we're both Varlamov owners, is that they're going to be playing Giger on Tuesday and then Barra on Wednesday. So we might lose two Varlamov starts next week, which is pretty brutal. Before we get to the third headline, how about we step away from the headlines for a bit and let's talk about the moves that I made last week. Brian, I made a couple of big moves based a lot on your recommendations. And one of them, I have to say, I'm starting to question a little bit. I dropped Kyle Ocposo and picked up Alish Hemsky. And I'm not disappointed in Hemsky. He's doing all right. I've had him for only one game and he got a goal yesterday against Montreal. But Ocposo is just on fire right now. Was that a mistake, do you think, to drop Kyle Ocposo, thinking that he would cool off not playing with Tavares and Vanek? Mistake is a tough question to answer. I think rationally, it was the right move. He had a 10-game stretch where he had just two goals and two assists, and things were not looking up for him. Tavares was injured. Vanek had been traded. And I guess he's gotten things back together over the last four games he's got eight points two goals with six assists still I think the rational decision based on what Okposo was doing and the change in his situation was to drop Okposo and pick up Hemsky will it be the right choice at the end you know in a way that I couldn't have predicted I I don't know I'm still not really sold on Okposo I'm going to need to see more than four games especially looking at his 10 games that preceded those four games but maybe it does buy him a couple more weeks on rosters of owners who are nervous about carrying him. Yeah, well, I'll tell you there are a couple of reasons why I'm not feeling so bad about having dropped Ocposo. One of them is that this week I don't actually care. Next week is when my big semifinal playoff round starts. It's going to be a two-week semifinal, and the New York Islanders are only going to be playing five games and only two games next week. So if there's any week to not have Ocposo in my lineup, It's the next one. And then once the Islanders come back and start playing again, three games the following week, I think then there's going to be a couple of weeks where he'll have four games in at least one of them. If I can't have Acaposo, maybe it's just as good to have Anders Lee, who's playing on the line with him and pretty much putting up the same number of points. So Lee has played nine games since being called up from the minors. And in those games, he has six goals and four assists for 10 points in nine games. And he also has more shots on goal than Ocposo. He's got 27 shots in those nine games. So that's averaging three shots a game. In his last couple of games, he has four and five. So maybe that's even starting to trend upwards. So he's definitely someone that's on my watch list to grab if I'm feeling the Ocposo blues. And he maybe should be someone that lots of people are looking at, regardless of whether they have or don't have Ocposo. Yeah, I don't know what to say about either of these guys. There's just so many unknowns, I feel. And maybe that's unfair to Ocposo because he has produced, but I still don't have a whole lot of confidence that either of them will keep it up. It is really promising, though, and yeah, as a pickup to replace a roster spot that isn't paying off the way you'd like it to, not a bad option, at least for the immediate future. The other big move I made this week is actually something that got triggered by my dropping of Ocposo. So there's a guy in my league who I'm probably going to be playing in my next semifinal round. And he is basically the taco of the pool. And if you watch the league, you know what I'm talking about. He doesn't really pay attention. I don't think he really knows what's going on. But somehow he's doing really well. His team is amazing. He drafted really well. And the couple of times he looked at free agents, 
and sort of made just all the moves he needed to make at once, he got really lucky. He picked up guys like Ryan Johansson and Jaden Schwartz, guys that I'm positive he had no idea who they were, but just took them because he saw that they had a good rating in their last 15 games. So anyway, for some reason, he ended up looking at the league the day after I dropped Ocaposo and not understanding how the waiver rules work. He dropped one of his players in order to make a waiver claim on Ocaposo, which is not how you do it. You know, you're supposed to make the waiver claim and then you say who you will drop if you win the waiver claim. But he actually just dropped a player. So he had an empty spot on his roster and then tried to get Ocaposo. He ended up getting beaten Someone else who had a higher priority than him ended up getting Ocposo, and this guy now has an empty roster spot on right wing, and the guy that he dropped is Marion Gabryk. And I thought to myself, well, I'm probably not going to have a chance to get Marion Gabryk without having to use up a high draft pick for the next few years, so I decided to drop a guy who was doing well for me, but I just don't see doing as well down the stretch. I dropped Radim Verbata and picked up Marion Gabryk. Well, Verbata has definitely become a little less consistent recently. I mean, he did have a, a four-game run where he had six points in those games, including four goals and two assists. But outside of that, he hasn't done a whole lot. And I'm just looking at his last 10 or a few more games than that right now. So I understand, you know, in a head-to-head league, it's different from a rotisserie league because you need consistent production producing a whole whack of points one week and then going silent for another isn't going to help you at all. And Gabrick, I don't know, there's promise there. And surprisingly, he is getting his fair share of shots in LA. He's got 17 shots on goal in five games with the Kings so far. Only one goal and one assist to show for it, though. And that speaks to my general concern of anyone on LA. And I think we talked about it last week, too, is that they are not an offensively focused team. They're happy to get their one or two goals and then shut it down. They are not going out, taking risks, trying to score. I don't know how much that will affect Gabrick, because keep in mind, he played with the Minnesota Wild for a very long time under Jacques Lemaire in a very defensively focused and widely criticized for being boring system. He still produced there, so maybe he can do the same in L.A. I don't know. Was it worth a shot for you to drop Verbata? I'm not so sure because Verbata, like I said, he's not consistent, but he might put you over the top one week and not another, whereas Gabrick, the points might just trickle in with the way L.A. tends to score. Well, I guess time will tell. Hopefully it wasn't a big mistake. One thing that I'm hoping I could get accomplished is I actually contacted ESPN and asked them if they're going to be adding left-wing eligibility to Marion Gabryk. He's apparently playing left-wing on LA right now on a line with Andre Kopitar and Justin Williams, at least according to Daily Faceoff. So I forwarded them the link, and if they can add left-wing eligibility to Gabryk, then I'll probably move Gabryk over to left-wing, drop Vermette, and hopefully pick up Verbata. We'll see if any of that actually pans out or if Verbata will just be snagged. I feel like if Gabrick was available as a free agent, then Verbata probably will be too. There seems to be a few quality guys in your league who just sort of sit there waiting to be taken mostly by you. So maybe it's not that big of a risk and worth trying. Yeah, we'll see. Well, let me run by you a couple of other moves I'm considering making, which will lead us back to our third headline. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten about the headlines. Phew. Speaking of Vermette, I'm thinking that one potential option is a guy who was dropped last week, Brandon Dubinsky. And what I'm thinking here is Vermette plays on Monday, so get that game. Then starting Tuesday, Dubinsky plays four games in three days for Columbus. So I'm thinking if I could make that move, I'll get five games out of that roster spot. So what do you think about picking up Brandon Dubinsky? 
Dubinsky is somebody who I drafted and have really appreciated all year. His numbers on the season are great. 13 goals, 28 assists for 41 points in 61 games, and his peripherals for leagues who count them are also great. He's got 195 hits, 92 penalty minutes, he blocks a handful of shots, and he puts about two and a half shots on goal per game. Lately, however, he seems to have petered off a little bit in terms of his production. In February, he went pointless in five games, but he still has five points in his last eight, so I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think he is a good pickup. As a swap for Vermette, I think I would definitely do it. You know, I haven't been so high on Vermette for a while now, and I think he's really living off the laurels of that huge career-high 11-game point streak that he had and hasn't done a whole lot. Sure, he's produced a little bit, but hasn't done enough outside of that to merit taking a roster spot, especially over somebody who has consistently produced almost the entire year, like Brandon Dubinsky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking also. Another guy, though, who might be a sleeper to pick up, and now let's go back to our headlines. Should I be considering this new guy in the NHL named Evgeny Kuznetsov? So this guy came out of nowhere. I'm not a big follower of the KHL, so I didn't realize that there was a star player that's coming over that we should all be paying attention to. But since he's arrived, at least on the Fantasy Hockey subreddit, he's been getting a lot of mentions. And in his last game for Washington, he got three assists. So is Kuznetsov the real deal and someone that people should be jumping at? Well, let's not say that he was just parachuted from obscurity in the KHL. He's been a heralded prospect for a long time. And in leagues that have like a farm system or something, he's been a blue chip guy. And, you know, he played a couple games, didn't pick up anything significantly, though, although he did put Marc-Andre Fleury on the highlight reel when he almost scored his first goal. And Fleury did like a little scorpion kick to prevent Kuznetsov's first NHL goal. But last game, he got three assists, and he did that while playing on, like, the bottom six in Washington. And I feel like it's only a matter of time before he moves up. He's been picked up in my league, which, you know, is is fairly deep. The, the guy who picked him up dropped Ryan Strom, gave up on that, rightfully so. And I think Kuznetsov, if he's available, it's sort of like a, a free shot for anybody who needs a little offensive injection going into the playoffs. It could work out. It could not. But that's a really hedgy thing to say. I think if Kuznetsov was available to me and I had more than five moves remaining for my entire season, I probably would have tried him out if there was somebody on my roster who was disappointing. Yeah, he looks very tempting. And I read that in Washington's next game, he's going to be moved to the second line to play with Casey Wellman and Troy Brower, which I guess is a bit of an upgrade over Tom Wilson and Jay Beagle. Yeah, a bit of an upgrade. And I think he'll slowly work his way into more offensive minutes. One thing that tends to happen, and I feel like maybe it's unfair, uh, is that Russian prospects like Yakupov in Edmonton, this has happened to this year, their coaches tend to push them into defensive roles or at least make sure that they're responsible and well-rounded and they don't just let them loose to produce. I think it's important to keep an eye on maybe Kuznetsov's zone starts or his ice time to see how Adam Oates is handling him if he is just letting him go and work on his offense or if he's insisting that he develop good and proper defensive habits first. Yeah, definitely someone to keep your eye on. And if he could hit that magical spot that's currently held by Marcus Johansson on the top line with Nicholas Backstrom and Alex Ovechkin, then he'd obviously become a must-add, I would think. For sure. All right, time to talk about our jobber of the week. 
Previous jobbers have included Carl Soderberg, who has done really well since we recommended picking him up, and Travis Zajac, who we've talked about this week as someone that Brian has picked up to be his jobber. So the jobber is a player who will put your team over. So someone who you could pick up to get you reliable points, not necessarily someone who will light up the score sheet, but someone who you should be able to rely on. Brian, who is this week's jobber? This week's official jobber of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast is Ray Whitney, who I think was ditched by most of the teams that rightly drafted him at the beginning of the year. He is now just 4% owned in Yahoo Leagues, and for good reason. There's been a huge drop-off in his production. He was essentially a point-per-game player for the last two years, but this year... He's produced at less than half that rate, just 7 goals and 20 assists for 27 points in 59 games, minus 5, although 13 power play points isn't too shabby, less than 2 shots on goal a game. And I guess these are the perils of being 42 years old in the NHL, but in the last 7 games, he's got 5 assists, the stars are rolling, they're looking really good. I mean, we all saw Tyler Sagan's amazing week last week, and Not to say that that has any direct impact on Ray Whitney, but maybe there is a bit of a trickle-down effect. And I feel like he is worth a thought if you are looking, as is the requirement for a jobber, for somebody who won't carry your team, but might just give you that little extra push over the top. Ray Whitney could be somebody for you to have on your watch list or on your team. All right, well, I'm looking forward to see if we'll go three for three for our jobbers as players who do well the week after we recommend them. So hopefully Ray Whitney will do well like you predict. Now let's move on to our lightning round where we just talk about some players that we think are worth mentioning, people that you should be having your eye on. Brian, who's your first lightning round player? My first lightning round player is a top fantasy producer usually, and we like to give them their due when we can. So let's give Jason Spezza some due. He has now three consecutive multi-point games where he has eight points total in them, two goals and six assists with a plus three, 12 shots on goal. And this is all since Alex Hemsky joined the Ottawa Senators. Earlier this season, he'd gone through a 16-game stretch between December and January where he scored only eight points, and that pretty much killed his fantasy value as a superstar center. But his game has started to come back even before Hemsky came on his line, which is a positive sign. He has 16 points total in his last 10 games played. His possession numbers, by the way, have been in the tank all season, but assuming your fantasy league doesn't count Corsi, it shouldn't bother you as long as he's producing. The bottom line is that Spezza is hitting the score sheet again and probably peaking in fantasy value right now. I don't expect the next few years to be particularly kind to him, though, So really, I think what this does is it helps most owners in Keeper Leagues who want to finish this year in contention and then sell high on him in the summertime, which is also what I hope the Senators will do, aside from the part where they try to contend this year. Okay, well, as someone who has Hemsky now, I really hope that Spezza can keep up his production because it seems like they're going to be tightly tied. Who do you got next for us? The next one is if this were earlier in the season, he would be designated as a snoozer. We've talked about him a few times this year. Benoit Pouliot of the New York Rangers. And as I prognosticated, did not just speculate, but prognosticated earlier, he is now ice cold. 
and not the real deal. And we've talked about him a few times this year because he's produced in fits and starts all season, but it's all amounted to just 11 goals and 15 assists for 26 points in 66 games. In his last eight games, he has just two assists and unimpressive peripherals. If you want to pick him up and cross your fingers that the timing is right, that's your prerogative. But I've said it before and will repeat it now. He is not a reliable scorer. Benoit Pouliot It's more or less dumb luck if he produces while taking up one of your roster spots. I would much rather have someone who is consistently putting up even half a point per game over someone like Pouliot. And Elon, the next lightning round I'm going to talk about, I'm squeezing in for personal reasons. This wasn't in the plans, I know, but I'm proud of Jordan Stahl. And that sounds very condescending and it doesn't strike the right tone, but I'm very happy to have him on my team for like the first time all year. He's on a five-game point streak including three consecutive multi-point games, which marks the first time in his career that he's managed to pull that off. Two goals, six assists for eight points in those five games that he's streaking. His best point streak of the season before now was two games. So hooray for him, hooray for his owners. Still a very disappointing season overall, but in head-to-head leagues, it's just pretty easy to forgive. Yeah, if he helps you win the playoffs, you'll uh, let it go. And let's close the lightning round with Tyler Myers, who I know you considered picking up recently. And I will say that rumors of his resurrection have been greatly exaggerated. Let's take a look back to January 31st, 2014. At that point, the former Calder Trophy winner, emphasis on former, had a piddly 46 points in his last 145 games played. Hardly fantasy relevant. And that goes back across three seasons. And then on February 2nd, suddenly everything changed. Apparently three goals and four assists over a six-game stretch was enough for many people to pick up Myers and declare that he was back and he'd resume the 40-point paces of his first two seasons. Elon, guess how many points Tyler Myers has in his last four games? I'm going to guess a big donut. Yes, zero. And maybe you peeked at my answer already. But the answer is zero and it shouldn't be surprising. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe that like small, super small sample size and like correlate it to something that he did three years ago and has really just been a total letdown since Tyler Myers is not back. You can leave him in the free agent pool where he belongs. Oh, man. I hope Tyler Myers isn't listening to this. Well, you know, I have like a specific, not a vendetta against Tyler Myers, but I'm passionate because in the league we were in together last year. I was sort of like ostracized for criticizing a trade where he was considered a centerpiece. Uh, yeah, I remember that. So maybe I'm still just making my argument. I carry these things around. Okay, and before we end the show, I just want to throw out a couple of really deep sleepers that I think people should just sort of keep their eye on, just in case. I wanted to mention someone who has popped up on my radar. It's hard to tell whether he's just going through a very unlikely to continue streak or if there's something to it. But there's a defenseman on Los Angeles named Alec Martinez. He's played eight games since coming back from an injury. And in those games, he has three goals and three assists. And four of those six points are power play points. So if you have an open defensive slot and you think that this could potentially continue, might be someone to keep your eye on. Nice, Elon. Joining in the lightning round, a very worthy lightning round pick. And one other guy I just wanted to mention as someone to maybe keep an eye on, Nick Bjugstad on Florida has five points in his last five games. I know we generally don't recommend taking Florida players, but 
maybe a potential future jobber. Just wanted to throw his name out there. And he's a good prospect too, so in keeper leagues that'll carry a bit more value than just what counts for the rest of the season. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you found it useful. If you did, let us know. Tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson. We love hearing from our fans on Twitter. And also, you should follow us on Twitter because Brian's tweeting up a storm like usual. Please be our 77th follower. (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard to get Twitter followers. I don't know what people do. But okay. Also, if you want to contact us in a more long-form way, you could email us, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. Also, i like to mention our website, keepingcarlson.com, where you could see all of our previous episodes and access our show notes. Also, as always, we would love it if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes. If you like the show, that really helps us get noticed. We'd consider it a personal favor. In fact, if you give us a five-star review on iTunes and then let us know about it, We'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. So how about that? You could be famous like us. But with that, Brian, why don't you read the credits? Let's cue that outro music. Let's put this in the bag. Such cool slang. Well, before we roll credits, actually, Elon, I just want to give a mention of this new subreddit called Watching the Game. So reddit.com slash r slash watching the game. It's a collection of articles about NHL and hockey advanced statistics. If you want to learn or keep up with what's being written about advanced statistics right now, I feel obviously like it's a great resource where you can go learn about them and see what people are using them to do and maybe be able to extrapolate exactly how they can help you be a better hockey observer and fantasy hockey owner. All right, everyone, check that out. And now let's cue that outro music and Brian, read us the credits. Okay, thank you to Extra Skater, Left Wing Lock, Behind the Net, Dauber Hockey, Yahoo Sports, and ESPN Fantasy Hockey for helping us research the show this week. Well done. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you all next week. Hopefully I'll be reporting on a successful start to my semifinal playoff matchup. And I hope everyone else in playoff matchups or at the end of their season does well in theirs. Good luck, everybody. Bye.